0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink, inspiring public curiosity about food. Learn more at mofad.org.
2: I'm HRN's Communications Director, Kat Johnson, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat and Three, our weekly food news roundup. This week, we're celebrating Valentine's Day. Whether it's your favorite day of the season or you avoid it like the plague, there's no debating it's a big day for the world of food and hospitality.
3: Valentine's Day is what we uh, refer to in the industry as a blackout day. I don't feel that my manlyhood is threatened when I order a glass of rosé or, God forbid, a rosé champagne.
4: It's an old Jamaican drink from way back, and we just decided to bring it back into existence. A drink that the men, they believe it really does wonders.
2: Tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network. That's M-E-A-T, plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts.
4: I'm Allie Kane. Welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building, growing consumer brands. When we launched a line of fresh sauces, I knew we were jumping into something crazy. Haven's Kitchen is a cooking school, cafe, and event space. A product that people buy in grocery stores is an entirely new business, and I had a lot to learn. So in my efforts to get myself educated, I started meeting everyone I know and respect who could advise me on production and distribution, sales and legal, PR, and social media. Then I started having those conversations here as a podcast so that other entrepreneurs can learn from them as well. This is the story of Haven's Kitchen Sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Homa Dashtaki, founder of the amazing White Mustache Yogurt. If you haven't tried it yet, run, do not walk to go get this yogurt. It's smooth and glossy and thick and tangy, and it's genuinely unlike any other yogurt I've ever had. Try the date flavor. That's my favorite. Trust me. Hi, Homa. Hi, Allie. I'm so glad you're here. I haven't seen you since the baby was born. I know. Congratulations. Thank you. So you said she's seven months now. Seven months, yeah. And how's
2: it going? It's unreal. It's totally... Is she like sitting up like a little blob?
4: Yeah, she's yeah. sitting up like a blob. That's my favorite. She's
2: already starting to manipulate us, which yes. is awesome. Yeah. I'm so proud of she's her. She's
4: a strong little girl. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, The girls so, are good
2: at that. I'm like, I can't wait to just see her grow up. I and, know. But it's like totally turned my whole world upside down. I can imagine. Right. Yeah. And like in the most cliche way and well, I don't even know how to talk about it. It's, <laughs> it's really, it's actually
4: a problem (laughs) All right. well we'll get to that but we're going to back up a little bit because um, I think the reason I'm always excited about every guest but I think I'm especially excited about you because a lot of what we end up talking about whether it's like legal or supply chain or branding or whatever is that the, the base of all of this has to be a killer product it has to be a great product all of this is moot if you don't have a great product. Um, that's not to say that you can't start off with something and refine it and get better, but you have to have something great. And the thing about white mustache is it's just, it's great. Like, it's been, I think I was an early adopter. I you mean, a, a early in New York adopter, for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's just special. You mm-hmm. know, you, it's it's like a little miracle in a cup. Well, it really is. Thank you. Or a glass, yeah. I guess. I,
2: I think I don't take any credit for the product except for the fact that like I am true to the art of yogurt making yep. and that's been the one thing I've been super staunch and stubborn about yep. and I have made every single mistake in the book <laughs> with regard to packaging right. labels, well, branding, legal every, every every mistake I've made and the only reason I'm still standing is because your product. product is so awesome yeah. and like yeah. again like I will stay true to that product yep. even you know like, even if it's counterintuitive to even me, you know. But it, that's it's that that's so
4: perfect. Wow. You know what I mean? Because this whole this whole podcast, my whole life right now, mm-hmm. I call it CPG school. Like I right. want to learn every single thing I can about every possible step along the chain, and all of those things you can you can mess up on totally. because you can figure it out. You know, you might have some pain. Mm -hmm. But you can figure it out. But if you don't have the fundamental awesomeness that you have, it's going to be a lot harder. Well, and
2: I think that that can be in any product. And I think sometimes people lose sight of that because legal and profits and margins and all these things are so overwhelming it actually is so overwhelming that you could just like let the product slide and that's i I think that's really not necessary
4: i think it's also shifting but we can talk about that too um okay i want to go back so 1984 yeah how old were you and you emigrated here I actually immigrated here in 86. In 86. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I
2: was seven years old. Okay. And do you remember it vividly? Yeah, I do. Um, I was born on the day of the, uh, that the Ayatollah came back to Iran and triggered the right. 1979 re- revolution. Because of you? Be- I, mean, yeah. no. <laughs> I mean, as a result, I've become a very self-centered person. Um but like I, my whole like childhood was kind of like under a fog of revolution right. and then the Iran-Iraq War and we left in 86, which was in the middle of that and resettled into um, a very quaint um, town of Orange County in, in Garden Grove, Orange County, where there was a huge Zoroastrian community, which is a tribe my family belongs to. Right. It's a,
4: and how, how do you know how that ended up being where the Zoroastrian I don't know
2: how that happened. I remember the first temple was like in a small house in in a suburban area. And we just congregated all together. And like, you know, you just kind of all end up in the same place because you're just a community. And now there's a huge Zoroastrian
4: community out there. Very cool. Um, And yeah. And so. so silly question, but did yogurt, was yogurt a part of that? experience I mean was yogurt just always a part of your life and always it was always culture? a
2: part of my life in the same sense that like um it was just all like rice is a part of our like like it was just right. taken for granted it was yep. always always there but I don't like attach any sort of Sentimentality right. to it Because I took it for granted yeah,
4: It was um, just a basic right. thing in yeah. your...
2: And I think it was only when I lost sight of it And then reconnected with it That I truly understood how special it was Yeah. Um, and yeah. when did you
4: want to be When you were when, I mean you got to America Yeah
2: I got to America at 7 yep. at, When I was 9 I wanted to be an attorney And the reason yeah. I wanted to be an attorney Is I just had come from So much chaos Yeah and the thought that you could put your expectations down in a contract and everyone would kind of try to yeah. abide by it. Order. And like,
4: it was awesome. Yeah. It's like Marie Kondo. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Right. Like you wanted to tidy up the world. Right. But, you know, there's no tidying. up. There's the world, no tidying. Right? up. Yeah. We're all hoarders. Now we all know that like that whole thing is a fallacy. <laughs> yeah, like totally. you might have a like clean house, <laughs> right. but your life is not going right. to be okay. Just, exactly. Yeah.
2: Um but yeah, and I gave it a go. Like, I became a lawyer for um, a good five years. So
4: yes, and so did you? Were you, uh, like, were you a kid who loved school? Did you like what were your subjects? Were you like super dug in, or were you kind of like always a little bit?
2: Yeah, um, that's a fair question. I think I was so just like clenched fisted, determined to be this like idea of what success was in america that Mm -hmm. i was just good at school like i was good at getting a's i was good at getting (laughs) extra credit i was good at negotiating for like whatever i needed to negotiate to get into ap classes and then like a Mm -hmm. good college and then a scholarship and then like i just became like so hungry for that um and it wasn't even instilled in me by my parents because like by sixth grade they were like what's going on here? Right. Like, you know, <laughs> this is too much. And like, they they didn't understand the system. But I was just so driven. And I don't know, I have no idea where that comes from. Mm-hmm. To well, I think it's- on
4: some level, it probably comes from an early childhood of instability to some extent of like, you know, chaos and insecurity. And you knew that at least you would have, right. you know, something... To fall back on yeah. or... And also
2: a little bit of guilt. Like I mm-hmm. felt so guilty Needed that like that we had gotten out yeah. and we had all this access to education. Yeah. And like so many of my cousins and other friends from school, like, I mean, not that they're living bad lives or right. anything. They're living their best lives and they're very happy and they almost feel sorry for me because yeah. I'm working so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like
4: totally legit. But that makes sense. But that was like yeah. a part of it too. Yeah. Um, okay. So you became a lawyer you were like wearing a power suit Mm -hmm. you were living the life you always wanted were you happy i don't
2: know i just was like doing it i checked off the boxes you know and i was just doing it um i think and you know it's hard to say if i was happy or not but when i lost
4: that law job i Mm -hmm. didn't want to go back yeah not even a little bit. You said so. you said something like that. I listened to another podcast that you were on, and you said something like that you never would have left. And I often say that about my marriage, mm-hmm. that I would never have ended it, but once it was ended against my will, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I don't mean that in a negative way about him right. in any way, but I think sometimes if you're not living super consciously um the universe will kick you into consciousness if you're lucky if you're lucky yeah yeah and so that's what happened to you Mm -hmm. so you lost your law job yeah and then you just decided to go make yogurt
2: no (laughs) i i mean that's a really intuitive uh insight to like getting kicked out because I had no direction I had nothing that really spoke to me yeah and so I didn't go back to law but I also didn't have anything to go to so like the next couple of years were just spent floundering and,
4: and or figuring it out, depending sure. on how you frame it.
2: Sure. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, I went to an avocado farm for three months. I just sat there. I chain smoked. <laughs> I then decided to do yoga like real right. you know, yes. sequential here. And I taught yoga for a good year and a half. And I was like a terrible yoga teacher.
4: <laughs> like I know because you're not um, soft. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you are in your own way. <laughs> You've, you know, right. I just... Yeah, I would yell at the students. Yeah. I'd be
2: like, you're not trying enough. Right. I can see it. Like, yeah. you know, and it was, you know, on some people like that kind they of like thing, they love yeah. it, you know? It's like you have like your nice therapist and then you're like... Yeah,
4: get therapist your shit that together. You. Yeah. And I yeah, was exactly. like your mean,
2: mean yoga <laughs> teacher. And I was like, hey, this isn't for me. <laughs> um, and then I actually looked to get back into law. I was like, maybe I'd go into some sort of human rights thing and because I like was always uh, drawn to finance mm-hmm. I started doing a lot of microfinance work in Africa oh cool and um, I uh, worked for the uh, International Monetary Fund for like three months and uh-huh. I was like oh this is terrible yeah then the African Development Bank in Tunisia
4: And also, like, just didn't speak to me. Yeah, because I don't think you're really in it when you're in those jobs. Right. You get almost more further removed now that you're working. Exactly. Ironically. Yeah. Yeah. But,
2: but like, all those things really informed me on, like, economies and and society and community and survival. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I thought I'd become a lawyer and, like, figure some way, some place for me. And while I was doing that, you know, living in California, living with my parents at like 30 years old, 33 years old. (laughs) Um, It was, you know, I was like, I hope I get my shit together at some point. But um, and yogurt found me completely by accident, just completely, completely by, And it was always this thing that was there. You know, it was Mm -hmm. just like, whenever you're ready, just show up. Um, and i you know i joke about this a lot but it's really true like i've tried to quit a few times yeah. like it's just hard work yeah. and it yeah. takes so much sacrifice yes. and there is absolutely nothing that would make me quit like it's yeah. just too it's too like it's it it is hit a chord and mm-hmm. i feel like this is something i'd always seen other people have and never thought like I would get it. And it was like, when lightning
4: strikes, you don't quit, you know? So I know that you and your dad started making it together. Mm -hmm. And, but what was like, was there a conversation? We're making this for ourselves. We're making it as some, a bit of a therapeutic process. He had a loss. You were trying Mm -hmm. to find yourself. Mm -hmm. This was something that you could connect back to, and it made you feel that security but was there a conversation ever like okay now we're going to actually put this in a package and sell it to other people so the
2: conversation was never about yogurt it was always about an activity Uh so we were like (laughs) we want to go to a farmer's market and have something to do and we want to hang out on saturdays and my dad drives me crazy but this is something we can do together and yogurt was literally Just the easiest thing that was available. Like I said, it was just always there. And once we started going to markets and people would try it and they'd be like, oh, what is this? I'm like, it's yogurt. And they're like, we've never had this before. And I was like, like, that's when the light bulb came on that it was What did it
4: look like at the first? Did it look like the same thing that it looks like now? No. What did it look like?
2: It's gone through so many iterations. um, But like we just put it in a regular, like it was just a glass jar that was available through some like local mayonnaise distributor, it was like mm-hmm. in a mayonnaise jar and we just sold it at like Did and we had three fruit? flavors. Yeah no fruit, on, fruit fruit on the flavor happened once I moved to New York. Okay. What were
4: the flavors of the yogurt?
2: It was it was Persian yogurt which is not strained, then Greek yogurt, which mm-hmm. is strained. Then it was uh, a Yalda flavor, which is a mint walnut mm-hmm. raisin one. Yeah, And then there's uh, the Kiss yogurt, which was an orange blossom yep. honey with walnuts. And then there was our savory shallot. Right. And that was it. Wow. And we made eight gallons a week. Uh-huh. Like, we just literally no plans to turn it into a business. Like
4: Meanwhile, you had no plans to turn it into a business, but it was actually becoming a business because you went from one farmer's market to three farmer's markets, to, right? I mean, right.
2: Right. And, like, by the, like, end of it, at the end of our run in California, uh, we were making you know like three hundred dollars a day which isn't much but yeah. it was like right for kind of like what felt like a, a hobby. hobby yeah a- and like slowly starting to realize that this could be a thing right um and it really didn't turn into a business until california shut us down yes
4: which is what i was going to ask you about so i i read that original that economist mm-hmm. piece i think i really think i tasted it like the minute that you got here and i don't know where i got it but I, I feel like uh-huh. I was meant to have your yogurt. Um, but I, I think the minute that I tasted it, I read about it. You got, you're sort of, I, I feel like somehow someone must have tattled on you, or I don't, something happened because right. the Department of Agriculture doesn't usually find a little tiny stand at a farmer's market and like threaten it with like massive right. legal retaliation. Right. So, you got a call.
2: Yep. So we were at the Laguna Beach Farmer's Market which is like the market you know like is like the holy grail of Farmer's it's like Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> You're like, all right. And so we got there and we're selling at that market by like 10 a.m. We're almost sold through our supply. And I get this phone call from the Department of Agriculture mm-hmm. being like, we're, if you don't shut down, we're going to find you $10,000 or you're in jail. And J- my, my sister is like oh, convinced no. it was like the olive lady right. who like <laughs> called in on us because she was jealous. And I just like, I have my conspiracy theories, too. But it wasn't a joke. And That's we got contrary. shut down. And. I remember when they shut us down, and I say this every time because this is the reason why I got into business. Like, the person who shut us down made sure to let me know that, like, she shut down a Mexican family for making cheese. They shut mm. down a Vietnamese family for making milkshakes. Right. And I was like, when you're proud of this? Like, yeah. Like, there's so much food that we're missing out on yeah. because these rules are antiquated or... Totally.
4: I was just talking to someone, this is a bit of a non sequitur, but a really lovely Haitian man, and he was saying that, you know, they used to have these incredible economies in Haiti until the United States had all this surplus agriculture, which we started selling to them for really cheap and making sure that, like, their local agriculture basically was, like, stifled. But what ended up, aside from sort of the economics of it, what ended up happening was that the people, started mistrusting their own food in because somehow this other food from america was cleaner and safer and sanitized and and that happens you know here too i have friends who grow eggs on their farms and don't eat them because they're scared that those eggs are not as good as the eggs that get they get from the grocery store Like we've been really sort of trained, mm-hmm. so I mean, unfortunately, it does sort of it mass, you know, disproportionately, I guess, affect, right, um, f- you know, foods from from different cultures who are, you know, right, n- maybe don't have access to you know sort of the bigger larger systems and right. capital
2: right and yeah. mind you i was buying like milk from the grocery store and regular jugs that right. like were already like fine for yes. for public consumption so I'll, that that fear is definitely yep it's there it's ingrained it's hard to Get over because it's irrational in right. a way. And Especially
4: with yogurt, because the longer it's out, the more lactic acid it produces and the lower the pH goes, right. which makes it actually safer. Safer,
2: exactly. But, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. the whole point is like that was the way people preserved their milk right. because you could go for, like, you know, days or weeks or yeah. even months in the caravan and nothing would happen to your milk. It would just be preserved.
4: So, I, I have so much I want to get to. So, I'm going to speed you a sure. little through the story because I we could talk for probably like six hours about it but i know that you fought i know that the lawyer in you and the sixth grader in you who was like i want to be in that ap class you were (laughs) like no no this is not happening and you took it pretty far and it was like two years of a battle and then you lost i gave up you gave up yeah um, and then you decided to come to New York,
0: mm-hmm. which is,
4: I think, a really nice New York story. It like, is a nice New York story. Go New story. York for being Seriously. a little bit more thoughtful mm-hmm. about these things. Um, so your first batch was produced here yeah. in 20... 13, uh, 2013. 2013. 2013. I think I had it. Yeah, I'm yep. pretty sure you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and how did that feel?
2: uh if like a miracle yeah um i knew betsy divine who runs salvatore brooklyn ricotta mm-hmm. which is the best ricotta on the planet but, hands down and um she gave me like the best advice she was like you need to just stop fighting this and you need to just be in business
4: mm-hmm.
2: and i was like Okay, like here's this really badass chick telling me like what to do and yeah. I like took a lot of courage from that. And I remember I couldn't even fill up her little vat with yogurt to make it. but I made that first batch. It was did in the you bring m- your dad with you? I brought my dad, my mom, and my sister because we were like, this is closure. This is gonna be the last hurrah. We'll right. make yogurt somewhere and it'll be like it's weird to think like we're going to do the last hurrah in New York but I thought it was going to be like the last
4: hurrah and so we all came out we made the yogurt here why did you think it was going to be the last hurrah did you think no one was going to buy it or did, because like- the rules in New York are actually the same as they are in California Got it. And you just figured you'd get a call from the FDA. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I was like I don't know if I want to fight it so before I do this like law job in California let mm-hmm. me get this out of my system Got somewhere. It. Okay. And um and the thing about New York is that, like, Brooklyn really is a food town. Yeah. And the rules are exactly the same, but the attitude is not, I'm going to shut you down because you're a pain in the ass. The attitude is, all right, walk me through this. Yeah. You're total pain in the ass, but let's see how we can make this well, happen. because we're
4: New Yorkers. Totally. We like pain in the right. asses. Totally. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And you recognize that it does generate income, and it does yep. generate um, a community, yep. and it does generate a reputation, yep. you know, like... Brooklyn doesn't have a reputation for being a food town for nothing.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and talk about all of the business stuff. Let's do it. Awesome.
1: This episode is brought to you by MoFAD, the museum of food and drink, featuring a variety of interactive displays. MOFAD encourages eaters of all ages to be curious about food. The museum currently operates MOFAD Lab, a 5,000-square-foot experimental space in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where Chow, making the Chinese-American restaurant, is currently on show until the end of March 2019. This exhibition celebrates the birth and evolution of Chinese-American restaurants tracing their nearly 170-year history and sparking conversations about food culture, immigration, and what it means to be American. It highlights the evolution timeline of Chinese-American restaurant menus dating back to 1910 and also highlights a tasting section where participants get to enjoy tastings created by the country's most talented chefs who specialize in Chinese-American cuisine. Make sure you check out Chow while you still can. The exhibition closes at the end of March 2019. Check out MOFAD's tastings and extensive event calendar at mofad.org slash events.
3: Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Andrew Friedman, and I'm the host of Andrew Talks to Chefs here on HRN. Every week, I interview a diverse cross-section of the best and biggest names in professional cooking. Give a listen and get to know all about the inner lives of chefs. You can find Andrew Talks to Chefs wherever you listen to podcasts and on Heritage Radio Network.
0: Org. Hello,
4: I'm back with Homa Dashtaki, founder of White Mustache Yogurt. Um, and so I, I want to talk about the business mm-hmm. because you have a different approach than many founders. Um, and you do have this incredibly special product. Um, but I want to ask you a little bit about the packaging sure. first. Um, you've been in glass forever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in these, like, I don't know, even though the, the hand feel of the yeah. jar is special. Um, and the little white script and the mustache did it. it I know it didn't look like that at the beginning at the farmer's markets, but, like, once you started going into stores, is that what it looked like? Right. So, um, no. It, it The very,
2: very first logo that we ever, like, started off with, I made mm-hmm. in a Word document. And I drew, like, one half of the mustache with, like, the curves thing. Uh-huh. And then I, like... Copied, pasted, and flipped the mirror image, and that was the mustache. Right, and the font was like Times New Roman. Right. <laughs>
4: <And> it was <laughs> someone. Just- if you're listening, <laughs> look up the RX Bar original logo. At, also, look up the Apple computer original logo. Uh-huh. they there, nobody started exactly where they finish. Like we no definitely. one nails it right off at the at the you know beginning. Yeah. So when you so but the glass jars and the little black rubber cap. Yeah. and those
2: like all of that just kind of evolved. Like this is probably our fourth jar that we've been in. Oh, really? Mhm. And we the one after the mayonnaise jar was like a little tiny uh honey pot mm-hmm. and after the honey pot we went to like a more square one again that right. just like totally flopped. Oh. And then we found this one that's kind of like a quintessential typical like it feels like a yogurt yeah. cup and there's been so this what's really interesting is now we're we've gotten so much feedback on this jar that we're thinking about okay how does this evolve and i have to come up against that like problem like do you mess with something or do you just leave it yeah. and you know should we go to a smaller size like right now it's a little 8 ounces it's a little heavy it's hard to transport
4: Yeah. Um, Well, those are the questions that come up. And, and so, you know, transitioning into, you know, I, I, you know, I'm sure that the minute that a private equity dude tasted your yogurt in 2013, people have probably been knocking on your door for a few years. My guess is that everyone has an idea for you and wants you to scale and, if you take outside investment we can help you with production and distribution and we can lower your costs and all of that um and i think the thing about you is that you seem to be very committed to the idea of authenticity and the idea of like micro economies and not sort of mass industrializing this product what i really wonder about is how does that work when it's you know when it comes to growing right and or and, being sustainable and, and sustainability and mm-hmm. you're I mean you know me yeah. I'm a slow money kind of gal but that doesn't mean that we can sort of stay yes. still and it also means that you are personally involved with making the actual yogurt okay. which is arguably not you know, a long-term endeavor for you forever. Or so, the best
2: use of my time. Exactly. Ironically, like yes. all I want to do is be in there putting sour cherries in the bottom of the jar. Right, but it's like you the, need
4: to manage people.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, that's the easiest thing to delegate. And yeah. this, is, this is my biggest challenge is is growing and, and scaling and resisting that.
4: Um right. I'm, I'm on your Instagram. People are begging you for it. I watch people like, I'm in Philly, please. And you're like, no, sorry. Like you literally are like,
3: or I'm like, like, now often you're like, together. I love
4: your city, but I'm not going there now. <laughs> like it's, I'm like, Oh God, you know, I mean, people would kill for that. You probably don't even spend any money marketing.
2: No, we don't have a marketing. We don't have, yeah. Like people will come and visit us and they're like, there's no office. I'm like, no, there's no right. office. Like my most important, like admin person is like the production manager. Yeah. Like, you know?
4: And I mean, I was in here talking about trade spend. You don't,
2: I don't even really know what
4: that is is because you don't ever have to go on promotion or do demos. I mean,
2: I I feel like we do demos like in stores, but I don't think that's what you're talking about. And I feel really spoiled to like, you No, don't be spoiled.
4: You have an incredible product.
2: Um, And we, you know, we've stubbornly decided to focus on it. So Mm -hmm. any um, expense I'll make will be to make production more um, manageable for my team. Um, But, how that looks like as what my stash grows. Like, I've said it to everyone who has knocked on our door and I've said it to my parents and I've said it to my husband, who's like, we need some more money. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, I bet that would be nice. Um, is that I can't do it alone. Like as a founder, I don't have a vision of what growth will look like. I have a vision of what growth won't look like.
4: Right. Which is, which is like mass producing. Right. You don't want a centralized place in the middle of the country. And
2: producing like Idaho, their yogurt, you know, I don't want to do that. Um, and I've, you know, I've held my own business kind of hostage to growth um because of the way. So way is a byproduct right. of the yogurt making process. I have sunk all of my extra time and all of my extra resources in finding a market for the way because I see white mustaches existence as a miracle, yeah. and I do see it being born out of so much advocacy effort and being shut down in California and our legal right. battles and like just being able to survive here in New York is all a miracle. And so I want to focus on the way... Because it feels like a contradiction to have a waste
4: product. Total.
2: And a waste product that's just liquid yogurt. Like, just because people don't understand it does not mean it's not awesome. Yeah. And I can't figure out a way to access it. But, you know, that's kind of been a really dumb business move because the yogurt, which does sell well and could get us more resources to help me move the way, I'm not focusing on growing. Like, we capped our own production in 2014 right and this is this is crazy so we we make 10 batches of yogurt a week and that's like it wow and we have a wait list of 51 stores that want our yogurt (laughs) and we say like no
4: i know i snuck in there somehow yeah but and you keep saying no because of because you don't want to produce more whey and right. have it be wasted.
2: Right. So then I'll produce more yogurt to have more whey on our hands. And it's like how like what is my end goal, you know? Like are, like at what point is it enough? At what point is it not enough? So in 2014 right. we were like this is enough for now. Okay. And like my team has stagnated and it's kind of been bored and I'm just like you you kind of have these other challenges that you have to grow into. And so my challenge now is to treat the whey um, as a whole different project than the yogurt. Yeah. And to now, th- uh, like, that has opened up my, my thinking on how to grow the yogurt separately yeah. and to be open to conversations with uh, people who have
4: ideas on the way. There are yeah. people. I mean, and from Misfit, I, like, I feel mm-hmm. like if I haven't put you in touch yet, I need to because mm-hmm. they're looking for byproducts of food production and, and figuring out what they can do with it. Literally. So we're going to connect you guys. Yeah. I would love to talk with them. But tell me about Italy because Italy in LA. Italy, yes. I mean, that's you, you grew.
2: Yeah. We, we grew and it was, it was one of these very, Serendipitous, organic, blissful partnerships that you like dream about. So, Italy, Edel- we sell Italy Edel- here to Edel- Italy and Flatiron, yes. and in the World Trade Center. And they approached me and they said, "Will you come and make yogurt in California?" And I was like. Well, we were just kicked out of California, right. so I don't know if that's going to happen. And You didn't have Italy behind you. Right. Yeah. And I was also like, I don't have the bandwidth right now to go to LA and set anything I up. I
4: remember when you were living out there, it was a little intense. It
2: was, like yeah. we were couch surfing and we, you know, like I dragged my husband out there because I was like, I need someone to help me. Yeah. And, you know, it was, I didn't know what the finances would look like on there, but it was one of those opportunities where with the backing of this this company that really gets slow (laughs) inefficiently handmade foods like their pastas and their breads and their mozzarella like they got what we did and you just have to do it
4: and so you built a yogurt making they did they They built
2: a clean room to like our specifications to be like okay like this is what this is like the amount of space white mustache will need to make yogurt for the store. And it's been so awesome because first of all, the California market is different, but I get to
4: use California milk and California peaches and like, it's so great. Um, And the nice thing about growing, I mean, we talk about it a little bit. I think you and I are cut from a similar cloth in the sense that we see this sort of direct competition between growth and authenticity. And we're both a little bit freaked out that it, that growing will make us inauthentic right. somehow. But the other thing about growth is you can hire more people and you can pay people better and you can actually create more change. And that's good, right? Right. And so you right. have a team now in California mm-hmm. that wouldn't have existed if exactly. you had not taken that opportunity.
2: Right. Which has taught me how to delegate. Like yeah. I felt like it was inauthentic the minute I stepped out of the production yeah, room, exactly. you know? And it's like, that's like the mentality that I have to kind of fight yeah. against. and. And now recognize that my team is better than me. Yeah. And that's the way I want it. That's you know? awesome.
4: Um, so, I mean, is that a potential? Could you just replicate that? And all like, can you kind of. Be no, the, I'm going to
2: have to ask Italy. Yeah, I
4: think. <laughs> we'll talk to Italy about it. Um, so I want I, I do want to talk about product lines because I know that you were trying to first you were trying to sell the way as just a drink to drink Mm -hmm. then you made these delicious pops with it Mm -hmm. which I love thank you Um, are they are you feeling like they are catching on are you feeling like it all is working together do you want to you know for me I'm thinking that's a beverage buyer that's a frozen buyer and that's a dairy buyer but you don't think necessarily that way because it's all yogurt to
2: me. Yeah, and that's the way I approached it, and it's wrong because it's the way you're saying yeah. it is, and it's not. It's, and you're talking about the dairy buyer, the, at the drink buyer store. at. at who's buying it to put it in yes. the store but the customer is also different so yes. the person buying my yogurt is not the person buying my drinks is not the person right. buying my pops unless you're like you know oh I want
4: to really support this entire
2: ecosystem right which yeah. you know like not everybody knows about us no. or Yeah, you know, that's not how people actually make like all of consumer their decisions. consumer decisions totally. and so I never wanted to get in the drink business. I never wanted to get in the frozen popsicle business. I just couldn't convince anyone else to do it because way was too foreign and I was holding my own business hostage to growing. And so I was like, I will find an outlet for this in this way and that way. And I think that it's all lost me money and a lot of it and it's lost me time. Um, And it's kind of made me feel and sound a little bit like a crazy person. Like, by the way, you know, like, all <laughs> oh, this is so delicious. And I just like, I just has been, I, it's been too heavy-handed and like I'm trying too hard you know yeah. when you have to try too hard to sell something it doesn't yeah. make sense and it's because I didn't understand the difference between dairy and right. drink
4: why would you and
2: I'm just a yo- I mean yeah. I'm lucky I even understood the yogurt by market. the way
4: I don't even think you fully need to at this point because you have been sought after So you don't have to go make a presentation to a dairy buyer and tell him who you belong next to and why he should move people out of the set and why you're gonna be incremental dollars to his category. You don't have to do any of that. So, you know, uh, unlike me, right, Who, who does. So in a way, you've sort of been able to keep this, this very authentic kind of cottage industry product you've gotten to super accounts where you've gotten really high profile, you know, stores and you command a pretty nice price point for mm. it. I would imagine that, that that works. But it's just figuring out sort of, you know, the next steps. Right. Unless you decide you don't want there to be next steps. But it sounds like you kind of do. I think uh, your dad I feel.
2: Like, oh, my dad has always been like let's mechanize the whole thing. And right. like, you know, he's just grow, thinking this grow. whole thing is like yeah. crazy. Um, I, I, I feel like I still don't want it to grow. I feel like it has to. Yeah. I feel like it definitely has to, or I'm going to
4: lose my team or I'm going to lose. Well, that's how, I mean, that's, that's how I started the sauces at Havens to begin with. I needed an outlet because the thing is I had heard for years, people say, if you're not growing, you're dying. And I was like, that's not true. You can have, you know, but it is. It actually is, because life gets more expensive, healthcare gets more expensive, rent gets more expensive, labor, all of it. And not only that, but people want to learn and grow. And if you're not giving them opportunities to do that, they leave.
2: Or, you know, even if they're content, like it's kind of your job as the manager to challenge them. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And like I've challenged my team with like come up with more whey flavors or drink flavors or let's try to meet these orders. But it, I've connected everything too much. Yeah. And I think in terms of creating a new product line, I have to do what we're good at right. first.
4: So are you going to start to open up production a little bit for those 30 stores on the wait list?
2: Um, I think because we've seen a little bit of motion with the whey, um, uh-huh. we can... Um, open it up so right. we're looking to and the way we're opening it up and this is going to sound very obnoxious is like providing all the stores we're at with all the flavors because now they don't right. even get all the flavors yes. and so we're, we're trying to meet the demand that we currently have right. and then you Know, kind of not take for granted people's interest right. in us and, and you know, value and appreciate that.
4: And that woman in Philly who's like crying because you said no to her. I she love her. Finally,
2: she <laughs> might finally be able to get your yogurt. Um, we, we have no plans of selling
4: outside of Manhattan or Brooklyn, right? So just to be clear, just, just to be clear so. until Italy opens in and Philly. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then they can take care of it. Um, so question Mm -hmm. fundamentally Mm -hmm. do you think that something authentic can scale i think my my instinct
2: and my gut reaction is no um and i i think it can it just depends on what you mean by scale i think right if it's when i hear scale i hear mass produce yeah and so that to me like i know I, I know that if we're gonna grow we can only continue to make five gallon batches. And right. the way we would we would grow is lots of is five to make many, batches. many five gallon
4: batches. Yep. So in
2: that like if that means scaling, then yeah. I think that we can do that. Yeah, I think there are two um, I mean
4: there are different ways to, you know, yeah. make the strain the strain yogurt. the yogurt, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't wanna bring a cat into this just it didn't smell appropriate. Hygienic. Yeah. Um so yeah what's so. the biggest stressor for you right now? Growth. Yeah, figuring this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's the most fun you've had? Like let's what's one day or one moment where you're like, This is amazing. I feel just like the me that I've wanted to feel. I think it's when I get to
2: go in the production
4: room with my team. Yeah. Um and I just have
2: to be better at like making that a structured thing. Like yeah. every Tuesday. Yep. Um I get to go in. But like now really I just steal pockets. Of time, and yeah. I go in, and I'm like, yeah. So that would. Be What's your favorite flavor? Dates.
4: Mine too. I know. That's it's just, so funny. Yeah. and that
2: flavor feels like cheating to me because it's like only smashed up dates and then milk,
4: and I'm like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. People love the sour cherry, but I I like the way the sour cherry like makes that like mm-hmm. juice that mm-hmm. kind of flows in. But I'm I'm the date gal. Yeah, I'm the date um, gal too. Do you have any? books that you would recommend that you have ever read or enjoyed yeah I don't remember the name of it
2: um I'm sorry but there is a book on failure mm. that talks about how every fit fa- like everything like every success in like history is actually
4: several failures several failures and, yeah.
2: that needed to happen like if if, like, they hadn't lost the Battle of Carthage, they would not have won some other, like, war. Right. And so I forget the name of this book. I'll find I'm it. I'm sorry. No, but, like, I'll find it, it by the time was, I tag the episode.
4: Yeah, that was great. And then advice to founders. I mean, the people we talked about, the audience that's listening to this, you are a self-selecting crew out there. Um, but they need, they need some uh, support.
2: I would say, like put your head down and really focus on your product I think it's so hard to get wrapped up especially in competition yep and like I hear a lot of people like who start out and they're like but so-and-so does it this Mm -mm. way and how does so-and-so do it that way and I was like but how do you do it like just put your head down and like focus on your product and like if it doesn't work out that's fine I don't
4: even I honestly think like I think I've said this before but I don't believe there is such a thing as competition, right? you know, because like everything has its own energy and you could have two identical chairs that look exactly the same, but something feels different when you sit in them.
2: I agree. You know, I agree. And I do think there's room for everybody. For sure. And um, yeah. And I think like worrying about competition is just the way of sabotaging yourself. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. That's a good one.
4: We have a listener question, oh, someone right. who wrote in on my on my DMs. Oh, no, it's the person um, from Philly. Yeah, she was like <laughs> I'm <so laughs> she's sorry. Like stalking you. I'll just talk no, about She's for lovely. Her. Um What's the most creative thing you've seen done with the used jars? Has anyone ever sent you, like, pictures of their jars or have... Yes, yes there is a... There's a
2: Firefighters Association in <laughs> Red Hook that has a windowsill full of cactus plants.
4: Wow, yeah. in the white mustache jars. Mm-hmm. That's mustache awesome. Stars, yeah.
2: Good yeah. question. That's a great question. Good answer. Yeah.
4: Wow. All right. Um, Homa, I love talking to you. Thank I always you so feel like... I don't know saner or something good (laughs) i don't know um i loved having you on here thank you for coming on the show my pleasure and for all you in the sauce listeners out there thank you for continuing to listen and for telling people to listen it's really fun getting all of your instagram questions and um just seeing the numbers grow we are going to be hosting a panel at haven's kitchen on April 1st about these things, um, primarily financial and money. And yes, there will be some discussion of when to raise money and how. And you know, I think especially as a female founder, these questions can be a little bit uh, dicey. So there'll be more on that, but certainly go to the Haven's Kitchen Instagram or website for more information. The invite will be up soon. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.